You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. The word justification. It's kind of one of those words that uh, probably in the social and political climate that we're in at the moment is one of those words that gets thrown around a lot. And uh, if you've been reading along, uh, along with us in our reading guides, you'll be going through the, the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is, is written to a group of people that seem super confused about how and why they are justified. And, and so there's, there's a passage, and I'll read it. Um, I, I didn't give it to the guys, so it won't be on the screen. But it's, it's Galatians 3, chapter 3, uh, verses 15 and 16. So if you have your, your phone or your Bible, you can read along with me. But it says this, We who are Jews by birth, this is Paul writing to the church at Galatia, and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because the works by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Four times the word justified appears in Scripture. So the title of my message tonight is Justified. And uh, so it, it, you can't deny that it's a very politically, socially charged time that we, the church, live in. And so I'm going to put these kind of predications and, 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 and just pointers out there before I start tonight. My aim is not to offend. Um, my aim is just to merely get us to think as a church, what, what is our response? How do we respond to the social pressure, the social criticism, the political criticism, the, the criticism that comes through the media? How do we respond? And, and not necessarily so that we can have a united uh, response or a united term to kind of move forward, but, but so that we're constantly in the state of thinking about how we respond to things like this, how we respond, because the church needs to be as relevant today as it was the day that it was born. And and so we need to actually uh, not cower or hide behind uh, Scripture or, or things like that, but we need to have our eyes open and our hearts open so that the way that we move forward connects with and people outside of these four walls understand it. And so um, I'm going to start. Uh, we've got three videos, and um, so I, I want you to have a look at the videos, and then we'll kind of... We'll get a bit of audience interaction. So we've got the first video with the frog, uh, and then we'll come back. <laughs> What's wrong, Bowen? Why did you poke the frog? <laughs> but it's just a frog. And I want to ask you this question. Do you think the scream was justified? Hands up if you thought the scream was justified. Hands up if you love frogs and that's your jam. That's awesome. That's, I've, I've never heard that noise come out of a human before. Um, next clip. Now, this is a, bit, a clip. It's on its, we've flipped the clip on its head. I want, I want to ask the question, do you think that these animals are justified in their response? Princess, 
<laughs> He's after you. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. That glass is pretty safe. Look at the back. Wait till you. Whoa! Scaring me. I'm already playing. <laughs> now, do you think that, uh, particularly the llama at the end, do you think that the llama was justified in his response? Hands up if you think he was justified. Hands up if you think that man should subjugate animals. Um, no, last, last one, and, and this... Now, this one's a, a little bit deeper, so there's a bit of a backstory. So, uh, this is this dad, and he's been dealing with a son who doesn't go out of his room, and, uh, and he's a gamer. So, uh, take a look. Oh, boy. What are you doing in a bar? He's not been out of school for three months. That doesn't matter. This is what I want to do. I want a game. Well, you want a game, but you got to get a job while you do it, too. You're insane. Why are you doing What are you going to mow them over? Yeah, I'm going to mow them over. That way you get out of your room for a little while. Maybe you'll get a job. You've been oh. out of school three months now. Gaming is going to be my job. Well, I do it. I'm really good at it. you got student loans. you got car payment. you got insurance. I'm good at it. Now, yeah, well, you got to make money while you're you do it. You're not destroying my game. Oh, pick up while you can. Do you think the dad was justified? <laughs> this side of the room says no. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those interesting ones. Um, but, like, hats off to the brother that decided to film it. Um, like, what a hero. Uh, so, but, but, you know, and, and they're funny examples. But, uh, you know... Is it, is it justified? And, and I want to put a photo on the screen. And this is going to divide the room. If I could get that photo. Was he justified? Was he justified? And uh, so what we're going to do is if you thought Israel was justified, you're going to sit on this side of the room. And uh, if you thought Israel was justified, you're going to sit on that side of the room. And then, like in 1800s time, we're just going to fight. And 
whoever wins is right. Um, no, but it's the point has to be made. I mean, this is this is the world in which we live, where where somebody has put out uh, a part of scripture and and has been. Uh, you know, vilified very rampantly and, and the vitriol that's kind of come out against him has been humongous. And, uh, and, and so when you saw that picture, a hundred different thoughts went through this room. Some people thought, you know, what a hero. Some people thought, you know, why the heck did you do that? Some people were like, I really don't know what to think. And some other people are like, who the heck is that? Um, and so... But but we need to actually, as people of God and, and as Christians, and if you're not a Christian here, please, uh, welcome, first of all. We're, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, but, you know, this I'm, I'm not necessarily speaking to you in, in, in this context, but I think that, that we as Christians need to be able to understand and at least think about what our response is and, and what our what our position is and what how we go move forward in this particular in this particular climate because in the wake of the election you know there's there, there's people that are super happy and then there's people that are super ha- super sad and, and and so both are justified in their own minds and hearts both think that they, they're right in their, in, in their conclusion that the right thing happened or the wrong thing happened. And, 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 you know, I think that we need to be careful that we don't take up this position of I'm completely justified because I am a Christian or I believe the Word of God. I think that that is going to turn our backs on the society and the community that we're ch- called to impact, that we're called to change, that we're called to be a part of. And, and, and you, we can't deny the fact that we are a part of a community that is diverse. It, 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 it is very different. There, there's, there's people with different experiences, different backgrounds, different walks of life. And, and he, I'm, I'm not here to tell you how to think or what to think or what not to think, but I am here to have a look at how we can think about this whole position of justified. How do we, how do you think about this position of justified? Because I'm not here to put my opinion on, on you or, or and, and, and you're not necessarily here to put your opinion on mine. And I'm not here to argue Israel's right to say what he said. Uh, you know, I think that that's a completely different debate about freedom of speech and what that means. And I'm not here to talk about that whole freedom of speech thing, but I'm here to look at what justifies us. What justifies us? What's ju- what justifies you? And, and, and then so, you know, I, I, and then I want to have a look at what is justified. What does it mean to be justified? Is it that, that you can academically, intellectually argue your side of politi- politics, religion, whatever it might be? Is that what justifies you? Or is it that this is your experience, so that justifies you? And, uh, you know, is it okay for somebody, which I saw a tweet this, this week, and it said that all Queenslanders are a bunch of bigoted, uneducated losers, and Australia would be good to divorce itself from Queensland. It, that person, fully justified, said that. Fully justified. Completely believed it. And then there's, and, and I read a, a comment made by a, uh, a judge in Alabama where it says that some, in, in the argument uh, about abortion, it says that rape is inevitable, so people should stop using it as an excuse for abortion. Person completely justified in saying that. And, and so both sides, however many sides you want, completely justified. And so what I, th- what I w- first want to kind of 
This isn't a sermon as such as it's just, I want to take a bit more of a a background, look at this, because one of the greatest uh, hurts or the the greatest harms that we can get into as the church or we can get into as individuals, I think humanity's greatest evil is the the proponent of an us and them mentality. I think, I think humanity over time, over generations, has created a, a space where it's an us and them mentality. And, and you know, we, we, can, we can look at it from a sporting perspective, and that's to a certain degree harmless. You know, you, you've got the New South Welshmen over there, and you've got the Queenslanders over here. It's us and it's them. But then you can kind of take it a bit further and a bit deeper and a bit more dark. And, and Hitler, Adolf Hitler, was the greatest at creating an us and them mentality created this, them are the enemy, them, they, they need to be dealt with, they need to be, uh, they need to be uh, eliminated from society, you know, and, and, and when, we t- when we use terms like non-believer to, to push somebody away, we're in big trouble. When we use somebody, when we use, even when we use terms like left and right, that can push people away. When we're creating this kind of moment where them are them and us is us, and as long as they don't mix, then we're fine. Then we're in a we're in a heap of trouble. You know, the church needs to have its doors open, and 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 we need to have our doors open constantly, and uh, and so we can't afford to have a them them jesus said to love them he didn't say to them them to push them away he said to love them and uh you know i think that i think that there's a solution to that problem and i'm going to unpack that as we as we kind of progress and so stay tuned but but i want to answer I want to answer some questions tonight. Now, Israel Falau's comments, you may or may not know, actually come from the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. And so we'll have a look at them. And they were written by the Apostle Paul. And so I want to have a look at what Paul was talking about, who he was talking to, and then what that means for us. Uh, So the questions that I want to answer tonight are, what did Paul mean by the comments that he made? That, that have become so uh, synonymous with, with the Israel Falau saga. What did Jesus say about these things? Because surely uh, we should take our lead from Christ and he should be the one that actually formulates our thinking and, and, and our way forward. And then I want to look at how are we justified? What does Scripture say about us in terms of the justification process? Is it that we have to be able to academically uh, be able to justify our faith, be able to argue it, be able to win the argument, and therefore we are justified? Or is it deeper or is it more than that? And then going from how are we justified, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us as a collective? What does it mean for us as individuals? But what does it mean for the wider community as well? So the the passage that has become uh, so well uh, quoted these past weeks is uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And it says this, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. So, 
There's a whole there's a whole list. There's a whole list of people that don't inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't mean to be offensive, but everybody in this room at one point falls into that category. Every single one of us. Um falls into that category. And, and it may not be the big sins. It may not be the, the, the evil sins. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the list. The sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, the, the men who have sex with men, nor thieves. Have you ever stolen anything? Nor, gre- nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's a pretty exhaustive list, unfortunately. It's a pretty exhaustive list, and it's pretty obvious none of us inherit the kingdom of God. So um, let's pray and uh, let's go home. Do I believe it? Absolutely. Categorically, yes. It's scriptural. I believe it. I stand by it. Uh, But is it the gospel? Hmm. The answer is yes, but the answer is not categorically yes. It is Two lines, as within a gospel of millions of lines. It's two lines that has been, have been singled out and, and, have been, uh, and have been used in a way that says us and them. Us and them. It is the gospel, but it is not the entirety of the gospel. And, and, and so we need to be careful when we're talking about the gospel, that we're not just talking about bits and pieces that we pick. And, and I've, got nothing, I've got nothing against posting scripture on your Facebook, Instagram, whatever. doesn't matter. But, but we just need to be careful that we're not saying, this man has stood up for the gospel. In part, he has. But it does, that, that's not the whole gospel. And that's not all the gospel. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, you can't deny that it's part of the gospel. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm, I'm saying that it is in the gospel, but it is not the whole gospel. I'm saying that, that we, can't, we can't just say that and say, this is what it is, but there's actually a whole lot of caveats there, <laughs> a whole lot of caveats, because like I said before, we all don't qualify, but I'm so glad that there's caveats that are within the gospel that bear that out. And, uh, and so this statement is made, Paul makes this statement, and, uh, but I want to, uh, you know, for, for most of us, we, we would know that the New Testament, uh, after the Gospels come the Epistles, which literally just means letters. So there's uh, Gospels, which are the accounts of Jesus' life, and then the letters. And so this particular letter was a letter to uh, the people at Corinth, and if you have a look at the introduction, because you know when you start a letter... You say, hey, you know, it's, um, it's me, this is to, you know, Amy or to whoever. And so this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, verses 3. It says, I, Paul, the apostle of Christ. Uh, and then he, he goes on and he says, to the Corinthian church, the sanctified of Christ. Who was Paul writing this to? Who was Paul, who, who was Paul addressing when he made these comments, it was not them. It was the church. If we're to put it in this context, it's the us. Paul is addressing it to us. And so when he makes these comments, he's not us. He's not saying, put this biblical standard over the world. What he's saying is, hey, this is what I think. Take an introspective look at your life and does your life measure up church? Not 
people who don't believe it. And, and look, I take the point that if, if you don't believe the whole God thing, then how is it offensive that you're going to hell? I understand that. But my point is that Paul made these comments not to the, the greater community, not to the world, not, not to the universe. He made them to the church, the sanctified of Christ. And, and so we, whenever we see Scripture... Uh, we need to actually be looking at it and be taking an introspective look at ourselves rather than trying to put that over everybody else and saying you need to adhere to this standard. And, uh, and so I had, this, um, I had this thought this afternoon. You know, the Bible doesn't necessarily say you have to agree with it. You don't have to necessarily agree with the Bible, but you do have to believe it. And, and so if you don't agree with the Bible, read it until God reveals something to you. There's a challenge for you. And uh, it's written to the church. And so what is, Paul, what is Paul saying when he's saying all of these things? He's saying, hey, church at Corinth, check yourself. Check yourself. Is this you? And so whenever we see Scripture, we need to not be like, well, oh, my goodness, check that out. Like, I can't believe what they're doing. It's no, hang on. Check and make sure that your heart is right. Check and make sure that you're right before God. Check, check and make sure that, that, that you're on the sanctification process. And, uh, and so, okay, so Paul doesn't necessarily give us a whole lot of clarity. Maybe Jesus does. Um, you know, we, we've kind of, some, in some cases, we've kind of made Jesus this philosophical softy, you know, like wafting around and saying things like, Consider the lilies and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, he's got blue eyes and blonde hair and, you know, would kind of float along the beach and say to Peter, hey, Peter, come follow me. And, uh, you know, he's always cast with a British accent for some reason. But, um, but Jesus was not a softy. He was a Jewish man uh, that was you know, raised, in a tra- raised in a trade. You know, we, we kind of... You know, I think sometimes we've kind of cast Jesus as, you know, Jesus fed the 5,000 and then said to Peter, hey, Peter, could you please get me a latte? I'm just totally wrecked. Um, that's not who Jesus was. He was a tradie. Uh, he, he worked with his hands. He was, you know, he, he, he'd grown up in the, in the grit and the mud of Jerusalem. But, and if you look at the life of Christ throughout the Gospels, you find out that he was very hard on some things, very forceful on some things. He confronts a woman at a well and says, you know, you've been through five husbands. What, what, what's the deal? Come on. Like, what are you thinking? And, uh, you know, says to her, go away, sin no more. He, call, he calls a woman a dog in a, in a passage of Scripture, uh, which, you know, isn't fantastic. You know, we wouldn't necessarily say to do that this time. He makes a whip, goes into the temple and starts whipping everybody, just starts like whacking them. Um, you know, there was, no, there was no lattes involved there. There was no soy milk that he was, um, that he was you know, what? You don't do soy. And then he starts cursing the local foliage and saying, hey, you're not going to bear fruit ever again, stupid fig tree. But this is what I... This is what I've noticed about Jesus, and I've scoured Scripture for it. He, he rarely confronts behavior. He actually confronts root issues, actually confronts root causes. Uh, you know, when, when the rich young ruler comes to him, he identifies the issue is with his heart. 
It's a root cause. It's not the behavior. It's, it, 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 it's the root cause. Hey, there's a, there's a spirit of stinginess. There's a spirit of stinginess that's attached to your life. Here's how you need to deal with that. And so Jesus actually addresses the root and not, not, not you know, the kind of the surface level behavior. When, when Jesus is having a dig at the Pharisees, he's not saying, you know, you're, you're terrible at cleaning pots. Um, you're only cleaning the outside. No, he's actually having a look at their motives and he's, having, he's addressing their motives. He's addressing the core issues. And my observation is that when Jesus speaks, it again should be a time when we have an introspective look at ourselves. When Jesus was saying to the rich young ruler, hey, go and give all of your money to the poor and then come follow me. He was not saying, uh, you know, we'll just give a little bit here. He was saying to that young man, hey, take a look at your priorities. Take a look at how your life is adding up. And then once you've kind of made a decision that you're not going to be controlled by money, then you can come and follow me. And so Jesus rarely said, cursed are these people. Cursed are the swindlers. The swindlers always get a bad rap. Um, you, know, you know, you people are terrible. The o- really, the only people that he does say that to are the Pharisees, the, the religious teachers. And, uh, and, and you know, I think when, we, when it comes to Scripture, we just need to make sure that we're having a look at ourselves. When Jesus was whipping everybody in the temple, it wasn't kind of, you, you didn't see the Pharisees going, oh, well, oh, my goodness. Did you see Naomi? She was smoking cigarettes. You know, it was an opportunity to take an introspective look at the practice that they were doing, which was to, with, to, to restrict those coming into the temple to worship God. And so I want to go back to the scripture that we read at the start. Uh, in Galatians 3, it says, "We again, Paul writing, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified justified by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a simple phrase, but a heck of a concept. You know, we can say it, and it sounds great, I'm justified by faith in Jesus Christ. But what does that look like? So when you put your hand up and make a decision for Jesus, you're justified by faith, you're free from, you know, you're free to live eternity with him. How, how do our human minds comprehend something that has been done for us, but we don't actually have to work for it? How does that work? How can one day you be justified and then in the split second of a moment that you become, that you switch over into belief, faith in Christ? How does that happen in a moment, but nothing necessarily changes? How can one day I be not justified and then the next day I'll be justified? Just because I have faith in Christ, just because I believe in who he is, I can only think of two other examples where this happens. And uh, you might be able to think of more, I don't know. Um, I performed a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and at the end of the ceremony, you know, it's my favorite part of the ceremony because it kind of says, you know, by the power vested in me by the FBI. Like, it makes you feel like kind of a government agent. Like, you know, the queen has bestowed upon me this honor to wed thee to thee, and now go and be free. Um, you know, it's, 
like, but you say something like, you know, by the power of SME, by the Commonwealth of Gov- by the Commonwealth of Australia, and as a minister of the gospel, I pronounce you man, husband and wife. And uh, you know, at that moment, nothing has changed. Nothing. They're still wearing the same clothes. They're still standing in the same position. Nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing. Now, in you know, even when they signed the paper, have they physically changed? Not one iota. But their life is going to change from that point onwards. Their life is going to change from that point onwards. In the space of a few words being spoken over them, their life changes forever. You know, I remember when I got married, I was standing here and the pastor said, pronounce you man and wife, and I was like, cool. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, well, I mean, what, what do we do? <laughs> My man and wife. Awesome. Um, and <laughs> nothing had changed. There was a lot of cheering, but nothing had changed. Like, I was still wearing the same suit, still nervous, still crying, um, you know, the other, the other example that I can think of is when the members of the jury stand up in a trial or some, something like that, and the person that's been charged with something, the jury says, you're innocent. Now, nothing has changed in that moment. Nothing has changed. But by the mere speaking of a word, everything has changed. By the mere speaking of a word, everything has changed. They're still wearing the same clothes. They're still in the same room, but everything has changed. And it's the same with justification, belief and faith in Jesus Christ. When you click over from that moment where you don't believe to you believe, everything changes. Everything. And just like the innocent man or woman, and just like husband and wife, Everything's going to change, but it doesn't necessarily change in the moment. And so why, how are we justified? We're justified because that moment happened when we clicked over from not believing to believing. And if you're here tonight and you haven't come to that moment, but you do want to come to that moment, then I'll give you an opportunity. Um, you know, and, and we click over from not believing and, and then our our eternity has changed in the blinking of an eye. And, and, and for some people, that can take months. For some people, that can take years. But the moment that you click over into that faith in Christ, you are justified. And, and you don't have to argue. You don't have to be able to uh, intellectually rationalize what was happening. You've been justified by the blood of Christ. And, and you can hold that. And so, you know, when, when I became a Christian, you know, I put up my hand and said a prayer and, you know, I didn't, poof, white suit, started singing How Great Thou Art. Nope, still wearing the same clothes, still looked the same, but everything had changed. Everything had changed and that is how we are justified and we can't forget that. 
We can't forget that when we're talking to people who we think are, you know, oh, well, this person's an immoral person because I was an immoral person until a split second and then I was justified. I was a sinner and then I was justified. I was evil and then I was justified in the split second of a moment and we need to understand that when we're engaging with our community at large. You know, and... uh, I just want to finish for this with these couple of thoughts and what does this mean for us? It's our last kind of topic. Uh, we can't afford an us and them separation. We can't. It, it, it's, it's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church was never to create boundaries for people to come to Christ. And I said that, you know, we create this us and them mentality. And, and, and I believe that the solution is not creating us and them mentality. I think the solution is creating an us and him. It's an us and him. It's not an us and them. It's an us and him mentality. And, and the us includes everybody. The us includes the drug addict that's at Bell Street at the moment that's going through absolute hell. He's part of the us because we are the us and he is the him. And and our job is to have our doors open so that the us can get bigger and can come into contact with him. And so we need to stop. We need to be careful about when we're creating this kind of us and them and we build walls and we justify ourselves by the fact that, you know, well, all of my family are great and all of my family are successful and look at this. But it's not like that. It's an us and it's a him. And there is no them. There can't be a them when it comes to our community. Our community are not non-believers. They're us. They're just pre-us, if you know what I mean. They're just, everybody is pre-decision. You know, we're either pre or post-decision. There's no kind of sinner and saint. There is, scripturally. But, but there's, no, there's no markation where it's like, well, you can't come in here unless you perform to this standard. You know, I, I heard a, a, um, an evangelist say this, a church without the broken is a broken church. And a church without the lost is a lost church. And, and we need to get comfortable with having a bigger us, if we've got to be really honest. You've got to get comfortable with a bigger us. And, and, and all of those people that are mentioned in that scripture, the homosexual, the drunkard, the swindler, we need to prepare for them to be part of our us in the long run. You know, it's, it's, it's not about an us and them, them, you know, they. It's creating a bigger us. I love Israel Folau. I stand with him. I think his treatment has been appalling. I do. I, I think that the vitriol has been disgusting. And I think that it is a gross indictment of freedom of speech. But I, in saying all of that, how many people were in church because they read that post. How many people thought to themselves when they read that post, that sounds like what I want to be a part of. And I'm not here to say that, you know, he he should or he shouldn't be allowed to say that. But my question is, how many people found themselves in a faith gathering because they saw that post and thought to themselves, hmm, sounds like something I want to be a part of. And... My point is probably not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. And, you know, we can, we've got the freedom to say whatever we want. Corinthians makes the, 
the passage of scripture that Israel actually quoted says, I can do anything, and we can do anything. Really, we can say whatever. But my question is not, is it justified, but is it effective? And we need to be effective at reaching our community. If we actually believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and that people need to meet him, then we need to be effective at opening the doors rather than closing them. You know, our, our, we, we started a couple of years ago, and it was about breaking walls and building bridges. That's all we've got to do. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to get uncomfortable. <laughs> it's going to get uncomfortable. There's going to be people that you wouldn't necessarily associate sitting in church. But hey, isn't that what the church is about? <laughs> Where else? Who else is going to tell them? Who else is going to bring them? Who else is going to embrace them? You know, we need to be people that embrace all levels and embrace their mess. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. But Jesus embraced everybody, and it cost him his life. And my question is, when was the last time you laid down a bit of yours, a bit of your comfort, so that somebody could come into contact and the us just gets a little bit bigger? You know, maybe you're here tonight and just with every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, you, I was talking about clicking over from not believing to believing. And, you know, you might be thinking, it's just too simple, it doesn't make sense. Well, neither does man and wife and neither does innocent, but it, it still fits. And uh, maybe you've never made that decision. You've thought about it. You've grappled with it, but maybe tonight's the time that you make that decision. Hey, I'm, I believe. I believe I'm going to put my weight in the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's you tonight, and maybe you're here, and I don't want to leave this gathering without allowing you to make that decision. And uh, so with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is just a private moment. If you're here tonight and you want to make that decision, then... Just shoot me a wave. Stick your hand up. It's the moment that you click over. If that's you, I don't want to... I won't drag this out any longer, but I don't want to have you miss your opportunity. If you're here tonight and you want to make that decision, and I'd love to pray for you and with you. If not, Lord, I thank you that you have given us prime real estate in the heart of Ipswich. Lord, I thank you that you've given us prime real estate in the jobs, in the education sector, in the trade sector. Lord, that our church, its arms span further and further and further. Lord, I just pray that you would just give us the boldness. And Lord, just speak to us and, and help us through the discomfort. Help us through the, the, the embarrassment. Help us through the awkwardness, Lord, as we embrace those that we would usually push away. Lord, I pray that you would bring people across our path who are broken so that we can introduce them to you. Lord, we just pray that our church would not grow because people just like the music or the sound. I pray that people would come who need a loving Savior and that Centro Church would be a safe place for people to encounter and embrace who you are to them. In Jesus' name, let's sing. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 